All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. Listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. My name is James Payne. And I'm Mariah Humphreys. And Dalton will not be joining us this week um, or possibly next week. I uh, think he's going to be out of town. He is headed to guide a hunt out in the middle of nowhere, Alaska. Yeah. So, um, Basically, by the time this episode comes out, he'll be out in the sticks, uh, sleeping in tents and chasing big moose. So we wish him the best. Hopefully, all of you guys do too. Um, and Mo and I are going to tackle an ad- additional part to the fall season that we all think is very important, which mm-hmm. is fall bear. Fall, interior fall bears. Interior fall bears, specifically the interior. Yeah. Um, we talk a lot about predator management and stuff like that, and there's... That is an aspect of bear hunting. It's a very important aspect of bear hunting, but there's other aspects we're going to talk about today. So hang tight for that. Before we get into that, um, if you have any questions about that or moose season or we're coming into the winter season here soon, uh, definitely give us a uh, shout on our social medias. Mm -hmm. We have the links for those in the show notes. You can click those and find us anywhere we are available on social media. If you go to the website, thenorthernhunter.com, we've got a nice, what did you say that was? Matt? Uh, contact button is it i called it shiny in the other in the other episode well i mean it's it's not it depends on the screen actually like (laughs) if the screen is gloss there you go but but then it might look somewhat glossy so mine's a little glossy so i'm gonna say it's a shiny contact button so you can hit us there it's white Uh, we'll give (laughs) just got to put in a little bit of information and then uh you can get us a message there uh, we've also got a shop page there if you'd like to uh, support what we're doing here. We got hats, hoodies, t-shirts. Moe's wearing both a Northern Hunter hoodie and a hat oh, yeah. right now. Looks real snazzy. Oh, yeah. And I could um, lie and say I'm wearing a t-shirt underneath, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, the other easiest way to support what we're doing is if you like the show on whatever platform you're listening to it on, subscribe to it, share it with your friends, and leave us a rating. Um, that all really helps us reach more people. Uh, get the messages and the information out to the people that need it. Uh, so if you know somebody that's coming up for a hunt or that lives in Alaska and could use the information, definitely let them know about the show. And if you'd like to support us while you're on your adventure. On your hunt. I get to say it. <laughs> there you go. Um, got a nice list of sponsors and partners now. Got uh, Hammer, Yukon River Knives, 60-inch Club, Stealthy Hunter, and they all use the Northern Hunter discount code. That is the Northern Hunter. No mm. caps, no space. Um, 
And then we've got Weatherby, which does not have a discount code, mm-hmm. but they make some great rifles. Fantastic rifles. And uh, if if you buy one of those, give them a call and let them know we sent you. And then we also have Betum 907, which the promo code is TNHP. Mm-hmm. It's the acronym for the show. Yep. The Northern Hunter Podcast is what that stands for. And they have great scent lures right now. You can go down there and if I'm sure there'll still be some moose season open somewhere when this comes out. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit in a few places. And uh, they have some great legal for Alaska scent lures yep. that you can use for moose. But also you, you could stock up on your bear bait lures for next year if you wanted to. Absolutely. Which isn't a bad idea. You can get them quicker that way than when you remember right before the season. Yeah, she gets pretty slammed sometimes right before. <laughs> you know, she actually just posted a, a video. And I think I shared it on the story for the, the Instagram. Mm-hmm. But uh, And it shows a bunch of different moose that people took using yep. her lures. It, it's phenomenal stuff. So definitely give that a try. And uh, if you're going to dive into trapping this year, she's got some great stuff for that too. I will, um, I will say, if you haven't checked out 60-inch club yet, I know we've got a lot of listeners um, have looked at a lot of the other stuff. Go take, if you go to our website, there's a there's a banner on, on the main page now, or you can go to the partners page, mm-hmm. and they'll link to their website. And uh, they have some awesome game bags, mm-hmm. not just for moose. They've got for smaller, like they've got like a deer size set yeah. and an elk size set. Elk, elk and caribou. And, yeah. and a couple things about their game bags mm-hmm. is they've got handles on them and tough drawstrings so you can pick them up from both sides like even with yeah. a bunch of weight in them but you go buy like a lot of game bag sets now they are carried now and like by sportsmen's and locally and, and stuff like that but if you go to sportsmen's and you go to buy a game bag set and it's not theirs mm-hmm. say for moose it's going to have four game bags in it right is that enough nope no that's enough <laughs> for four quarters that's you are seriously consolidating at that right. point so i used to always have that those four quarter bags like that set and then i would have a small set of say you know even some like you know sheep bags or or something that was small mm-hmm. light but tough that i could throw burger in and you know depending on if you if you strip all your rib meat or if Maybe, you cut yeah, your ribs right ribs i'd have bigger bags nicely. i would always have extra game bags and i never had a concise package mm-hmm. i don't remember how many are in there but there's at least six or seven there's in one yeah so it comes with four quarter bags um man i should really know this uh but it, i think it has two two burger size bags okay um and then yeah it, it's at least seven right maybe even eight bags in there it, but it's an insane amount it, it's a very it's very a, nice it's setup. an appropriate amount for right. most <laughs> and, and they're tough strong you can wash them reuse them every year you know the thing i like the most about them in, in addition to the handle mm-hmm. um they're they're very tough like you said and they're compact but they're compact they're breathable so mm-hmm. if you keep your meat you know the addition you know we, we've talked about like the cheesecloth game right. bags before and how they just kind of tear on things and they're not really great they don't exactly keep the bugs mm-hmm. out when you want them to but these ones do and the alternative to the cheesecloth back in the day was always the canvas bags you know the right. big tough thick canvas bags but those ones don't breathe that well and they're so also these very ones, big and heavy very big and heavy yeah so these ones are compact they're lightweight mm-hmm. relatively speaking right um they're as tough as you could ever want them to be. They've got mm-hmm. handles on them. But when you feel them, when you actually like open the bags up, they don't feel that much more heavy or, or cumbersome than right. a, a cheesecloth bag does. Right. You know, they're very, whatever material they're made of and the design of them, mm-hmm. they're, they're very purpose-driven in that. And, and I love it. Um, the other cool thing about them is that the carry case that they come in mm-hmm. uh, doubles as a camp organizer. That's part of the design of the carry case. Oh, okay. um, so the reason it has kind of a mesh back there mm-hmm. and everything like that is they oh, designed it 
So when you show up to camp and you're unpacking everything and you got your game that bags kind of tucked into your pack there, you can use that as a camp organizer. I just keep all to. the game bags in it and shove the whole thing in my pack. <laughs> I do too at the moment. Yeah, it's that's where, where it lives right now. <laughs> but I, I can see that. that. I like that idea, especially if you keep your game bag separated out a little bit. I yep. will say there's one thing I like cheesecloth for, and I still have a couple I keep with some of my... And that is, I keep the small ones because then mm-hmm. when I pull the heart and the, oh, like yeah. heart and the liver and stuff out. Yeah, edible organs, things like um, that. Yeah, exactly. Like you can separate the heart and it makes it easier to find, keeps it separated from all the meat, mm-hmm. both the heart and the liver. Um, you know, they're, it's, I just like having those things separated yep. without having to have a completely separate bag for them. Yeah. But yeah, definitely go check them out. Um, they're, uh, they, the other cool thing is if you order them online and you mm-hmm. go through there, then you get the discount code. That's right. Use discount code, the Northern Hunter. You can get them at a discount cheaper than you'd be able to buy them in the store. But if you're in a bind and you're about to leave on your hunt in mm-hmm. a, a day or two, you can find them locally, at least you if can. you're, if you're yeah. in Alaska. So, um, and again, those are all. Great local companies. They make great stuff. Uh, shopping with them and using the discount code supports them, helps support us, and we right. definitely appreciate it. So so we are two weeks into moose season now. Yeah. Not well, quite a full two weeks, but two weekends, I'll say right, that. Right, right. So uh, you got out, did a little bit. How'd your weekend go, Mo? Um, I mean, I saw moose three of the four nights I've hunted since mm-hmm. the last time we recorded. Yeah. Um, once it was actually within range, but it was a count of calf. But mm. I, I got to watch him for like an hour. Can't shoot feed. them. No, he can't. <laughs> I got to watch him feed for about an hour. That was mm-hmm. nice. You know, been doing lots of glass and a little bit of reading. Yeah. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoying the outdoors, wishing it wasn't just, uh, you know, wasting time and money, but still enjoying the outdoors. <laughs> I know it's not a waste, but, it, you know, there's sometimes when you drive somewhere after work and every night and it, it, it just starts to feel. Right. I, I, I know. You yeah. know, <laughs> but that, you know that that's majority of the time out there. I mean, you're not. That's what a lot of it is. You're not yeah. shooting every night, especially like, for moose, unless you've got a really good spot. Yeah, and, and you're t- and you got to dedicate time to it. You know, it's and I say that, but I know guys who camp come to the interior mm-hmm. and camp you know, from a different part of the state, and they fly and they buy groceries and like the amount of money I spend to drive right. somewhere and even run a wheeler out is nothing compared to the amount of money they've spent <laughs> yeah. to come up here. Right. right. Yeah. And I work very hard to not mess up their hunt. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, that's uh, part of, you know, having jobs and mm-hmm. having responsibilities and things like that is you can't always get out and dedicate the, the 10 days you'd like to spend out in the woods for mm-hmm. moose, you know, which is the best way, honestly, if you're going to dedicate some time to moose, uh, you know, taking a lot of time off yep. and being able to get farther away from civilization and everything and out to where the moose are a little bit more that's prominent, right. yep. things like that. Uh, Hunting around town, it's okay, but you know the the success rates are lower because there's so much competition. Mm-hmm. The a lot of pressure. Well, the best way to best way to get around it is just to hunt as much as you can, mm-hmm. and, and and if you find a spot where there's moose, stick with it. Yeah, right. it, it's a game of time at that point. Yeah, putting your time in. So, um, I did pretty much the same thing. I've been going out in the evening times and stuff like that. Uh, recently, uh, through the weekend, I had quite a few other things going on, but still made time to get out there for a full day. Uh, the wife and I. Woke up at like 4 a.m. one day and drove out somewhere and nice. we went out. We <laughs> we did see a moose, but I have no idea what it was because we were sneaking in through through this meadow mm-hmm. trying to get to where we were going to sit. And uh, one, we heard one up ahead of us. So it was so thick in there, though. I mean, we've right. talked about that before. These moose love to live in, in thick, thick country. And so it started walking down into the timbers. And by the time we got around the thickness, I could only see it from basically the the front shoulders back Mm -hmm. so it was probably only like 
I don't know, 50 yards away, maybe. Um, right. So easy shot, but you know, I don't want to risk it if you can't see the headgear. So. I had a similar situation <laughs> one time. I was hunting in a more mountainous area. Mm-hmm. There's this hillside. Um, and from, from, from one side of the valley or down in the valley, it looks like one hillside across, but you get up there and there's a bowl. Mm-hmm. It kind of drops down before it goes up, before, up to the higher elevations. So you get in that bowl and you can kind of just walk, ride back and forth and glass that mm-hmm. hillside and just slowly looking up. It ride slowly looking up. And um, as I've said before, if you're a ways away from moose, they don't seem to mind the wheeler running through the area. They're Especially used to in it. wide open country like right. that. Right. Yeah. And, um, but I had seen one in an area. So I had driven, you know, uh, over that air direction, but oh, quite a ways away. I parked the wheeler and got off and hiked up into the trees into this little metal kind of area mm-hmm. and we're just kind of uh still hunting where you know where it's still hunting the name is kind of um misleading misleading yeah but <laughs> still hunting doesn't mean you're sitting still it can it can be used to describe like tree stand hunting or something like that but yeah. it can also be used it's primarily used to describe like a walking hunt but a very slow walking hunt you take exactly. a step or two or three or you know six and mm-hmm. then you stop and you listen and you don't make noise because that's how an animal moves through the woods. Yep. And you can walk right up on a lot of moose or anything that way, which, which I have. But so I still hunted through that area where I saw that bull. And I don't think it was the same bull, but I got to a spot where all of a sudden I come around a, a tree and there's a bull moose standing a hundred yards away from me. <laughs> and he's looking at me, but one antler is behind a tree. Mm. And you know, off of one antler, I should be able to tell how big he was, uh, was, but I wasn't willing to take the risk. Right. You know, I, I, at the time didn't have a lot of experience judging moose and it just wasn't, you yeah. know, and he, I didn't have very t- much time to look at him either. He mm-hmm. didn't stand there very long. So yeah, there was whole moose except for one antlers behind a tree and I can't <laughs> see it. And I'm just like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was looking more for the full picture to kind of gauge it. Exactly. You know, but. Which is always, it's always better to be safe. Um, I've had that happen to me multiple times where you just can't see the whole mm-hmm. moose, um, especially hunting in brushy country. Right. You know, they're big animals and sometimes there's just a bush in between you and yeah. their heads. So um, <laughs> it kind of sucks when that happens, but it is what it is. You know, that's, that's hunting. Yeah. Um, we, we pushed through the rest of the day, had a great day out there. We, uh, we managed to harvest uh, some chaga off one of the okay, trees, yeah. which was awesome. Um, that's uh for anybody that doesn't know, that's a, a fungi that grows on birch trees up here in Alaska, and it makes really good tea. It's really good for you. Um, has a lot of nutrients and whatnot in it. My my wife is a lot better okay. at explaining all that, but uh, we try to harvest that whenever we can. It's usually grows pretty high up on the trees, so it's hard to get to. But on the birch uh, trees, right? Yeah, on the birch trees, paper birch. So we can we found some that we could access, um, get to from the ground. So it was it was a good time. Uh, we had a, still had a great day out there, but. I've got a, a trip planned for this weekend. I'm going to try to get a little farther out of town and see what happens. So uh, by the time we record next week's episodes, mm-hmm. um, I should have a report from that. So yeah, hopefully. Well, hopefully uh, I've killed a moose. I've got a few more nights that I can go sit. There uh, you go. On the, with the rifle season, and I fully plan on doing that. Yep. And I think, let me check my dates here. I'm pretty sure by the time this one comes out, local season will be closed. For, for rifle, for, yes. For rifle. So, bow will still be open till the 30th around the Fairbanks management area, but mm-hmm. rifle season will be closed in 20B. Yeah. So, hopefully, all of you guys that have been out there hunting were successful, had a good season. We, uh, we wish you all the, all the best luck. If you weren't successful, there's always other places you can go that are open later, or you can grab up your bow and try to go walk around. So, uh, 
But I want to talk about an article I read uh, a little bit earlier this week. Kind of something crazy you might see when you're out in the woods. I've never seen it. I've never even heard of this. But uh, this is an article. Uh, It was published yesterday, actually, on uh, Outdoor Life. So, big company. Pretty sure everybody's heard of them. Yeah. But uh, it's titled, let's see here, Rare Trail Cam Footage Shows Brown Bear and Wolf Hunting Together. Question mark. Question mark. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, the video, for anybody, we'll we'll throw up a link in in the show notes for this or something like that. We've got to get better about doing that. But um, the video from this trail cam, it was taken by an ADFG trail cam uh, that they set these up all over the place, mm-hmm. trying to do studies on wildlife, uh, see what see how animals are behaving, maybe get some counts in or something like that. And man, it is the craziest thing in the world. So this cow and calf are walking down a game trail. And then out of nowhere, to the left of the screen, this brown bear starts attacking. And naturally, the cow turns to the brown bear mm-hmm. and starts, you know, throwing some jabs, a couple left rights, the old one-two, and uh, seems to lose the battle fairly quickly. But suddenly, from the side, <laughs> this wolf jumps around the cow and starts chasing her calf down. Um, leading people to believe that these predators of different species may have been working together. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it might have just been one real big coincidence, I, but... I tend to lean towards that. Myself. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've never heard of bears and wolves working together. Typically, most of the videos you see of them together fighting, are yeah. them fighting. Yeah, right. fighting over a, a kill or, or over a, a carcass of some sort. And it's... It'd be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to read more about this. Uh, maybe, maybe see what develops if they do any kind of in-depth study right. into it. But I just, I, I saw that and I thought it was super awesome. Um, I don't know. How, how much have you seen them together in the woods at all? If at all. I don't know if I've ever seen them together in any way interacting mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah, um, they, they tend to kind of stay away I've, from each other. I've never had any wolves hit my bait. I've heard of them doing that, but I haven't mm-hmm. had them hit my bait personally. Typically, I've, I, I don't see, I, I've seen them in the same areas, just not the same time of year. Right, right. Yeah, and, and that's kind of my, been my experience as well, is they'll, they'll roll through. I mean, you know, if you just keep an eye out for them, I mean, and you can see them in relatively close to the same area. If you're hunting an area where you can see a long ways, but right. never like right next to each mm-hmm. other, at least not in the interior. Well, and, so, and I think this was down south somewhere. This was uh, not in the interior. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think yeah, a lot of southeastern Alaska with, with the, the fact that wolves a lot of times roam in packs, mm-hmm. and brown bear or grizzly bear or black bear, for that matter, doesn't stand a chance right. <laughs> against a pack of wolves. Yeah. Whereas if you've got he'll a, put up a good fight, but he's going to lose. If you've got yeah. a lone wolf, he might be a lot more likely to, mm-hmm. you know, obviously in this case, didn't care that he was there. It appeared right. Well, and that's uh, <laughs> that's what I'm curious. It, one, it's amazing they even caught this on game trail. Right. Or on a, a game trail camera. Sorry, mm-hmm. let me finish that statement. Um, because talk about good camera placement. Or I mean, man, that's like a whole... Blind block. <laughs> like, yeah, right? Like to have that exact attack happen. I mean, if it had happened 10 feet sooner, mm-hmm. it would have been off the screen. You know, 10 right. feet later, it would have been off the screen. But they just caught this perfect... It almost looks staged, to be honest with you. Like it really does. 
Um, but apparently not. So <laughs> this is for anybody that wants to watch that video, go check it out. It's uh, I got a good. I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I, I think that's it's nature, a cool video. Nature's a really, really crazy thing. Yeah, it definitely. really can be. Um, and but that also is a good point of why it's important to manage these populations. Mm-hmm. You know, bears and wolves and things like that. Um, you know, up here in Alaska, there's plenty of them, and apparently enough that they're starting to work together. So apparently, so well, you know, <laughs> so. the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and as as we would say, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, you know, and then also the other thing is like they may not have noticed each other until they were in on the stock. Right. Which, yeah, just both caught the same scent, maybe took the same right, approach. Right, and got up close and just, you know, didn't have time to deal with that issue at the moment. Yeah. Right, let's kill the game and then we can fight over it. Right, <laughs> exactly. Well, and then that, that, you know, then begs the question, was it a lone wolf? It appeared like, to be so. It appeared it was, in the video, but the video is only 10 seconds long. That Yeah, I think if it was a pack of wolves, you would have seen a lot more than one jumping in at that last moment. Right. All interesting stuff. So Very much. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to dive into uh, some bear hunting. All righty. All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. All right, so we're going to get into bear hunting here. That is something that in Alaska specifically is not always a fall time event. Um, no, no, not at all. With black bear, a lot of the times there's uh, there's areas of the state where there's no close season at all. Um, right. there's, most of the state. Yeah, there for grizzlies, um, it does close down for a portion in most of the state. There's one unit, I believe, that it does not, and it's open season year round. But for a lot of the season. Or a lot of the the areas of the state, you want to make sure look in the regs, make sure you're within yeah. your you're within season. Sometimes it's August, sometimes it's September, but and sometimes um, it's a little after September, which is, yeah, depending on where you're at, has gotten some people in trouble. <laughs> yeah, because they assumed right as, as most people would, because mm-hmm. that's the time that they're they're active, which right. is kind of what we're going to talk about. So not only knowing the regs, but also understanding the animal you're pursuing is, is a big thing. Mm-hmm. That, that's a big thing no matter what you're going after. Um, and we've talked a lot about different styles of hunting bears. We've talked about different times of hunting bears. Um, for anybody that's not super familiar um, with the activity levels of bears, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what time of year you're headed out, there is varying success rates because right. they – alter their behaviors based on the food available, based on how nutrient the food that they're getting is, um, how close to either exiting hibernation or entering hibernation is. Um, 
And all of that is something to take into consideration when you're looking at going after bear. Um, that's why, typically speaking, especially for grizzlies and things like that, mm-hmm. it's usually spring or fall because that's when they're the most active. Um, same with black bears, uh, pretty much everywhere except for super, super high density areas uh, in the state. Now, I read a pretty interesting article uh, that explained this very well, actually. I think they did a really good job with it, but it was written by uh, the North American Bear Center. Okay. So I kind of figured in the uh, spirit of understanding animals and their, their activity cycles, we could read through this and kind of compare to how it works in, uh, in Alaska. All righty. Let's look here. So uh, for everybody that doesn't know, you know, Bears hibernate in the wintertime. Yes, they They're do. gone. Uh, you don't have to worry about them for the most part. And you under can't hunt them really either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they get real hungry. <laughs> Unless they get real hungry. They do pop out. And that's kind of one thing. So this starts off, the article's list it, or is named the five stages of activity, activity and hibernation. Uh, the five stages that they list here is hibernation, walking hibernation, normal activity, hyperphagia, and fall transition. And I don't know that I would have come up with five different areas, but that it seems to fit when they explain it later on in the okay. article. Um, so stage one is hibernation. They start with the sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, for everybody that doesn't know, bears don't actually sleep all winter. They are uh, very uh, lethargic. They sleep a lot, mm-hmm. but they're not 100% knocked out 100% of the time. Um, it says here under stage one with hibernation, uh, they reduce oxygen consumption and metabolic rate to as little as 25% of the summer rates and breathe only once per 15 to 45 seconds. Wow. That's nuts. Um, heart rate can drop periodically to eight to 21 beats per minute. Uh, the blood flow and, and blood flow to skeletal muscle, particularly the legs can be reduced by 45% or more. Uh, so they're very, very shut down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a really interesting uh, development that these bears have done to, to kind of cope with the winters. Um, bears but and, when does and frogs. that... Frogs? <laughs> yeah, frogs are weird ones too. Um, but when is that most likely to occur here in Alaska? Well, typically speaking, your uh, hibernation period is going to be, what would you say? Late October, early November. It can depend a lot on the weather. I was going to say, it's very subjective to the weather, but late October, early November is when they're going to start bedding down. There's going to be some hanging around into late November um, that are kind of, maybe they didn't get enough food or something like that. They don't want to go to bed yet. But typically speaking, majority of them are going to start disappearing around that time. Um, And they'll be asleep or at least in the dens until roughly April. Mm -hmm. So April's when everything starts waking up. Um, that's when the baiting season kicks off and, right. uh, that's kind of bringing into the next phase of the walking hibernation. Uh, we'll get this into when the bears are actually accessible. Um, uh, let me get back into the article here. So stage two, walking hibernation. It's a two to three week period following the exit of the dens when their metabolic processes adjust to a normal summer levels. During walking hibernation, bears voluntarily eat and drink less and they will later, and they will, or sorry, then they will later during normal activity. Uh, They also excrete less urine, nitrogen, calcium, phosphorus, and magnesium. 
Um, this is the time of year when most people are out, I would say, uh, spot and stalking spring bear. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a little bit more careless because they're hungry, they're right. malnourished, they're just out there uh, basically getting into whatever food they can find. Plucking some grass. Plucking some grass. They're out. You find them out in fields um, early in the year before all the snow's out. Um, and this is kind of where we in the interior get a little uh, out of luck with the beginning of the baiting season because mm-hmm. they wake up a little later here. Um, they go to bed a little sooner depending on, again, snow conditions and whatnot. Um, and so that's when you can start getting them out with the spot and stalk style. Now, around normal activity starts, that's the third point, normal activity starts, I would say that's like your May into like early September, like mm-hmm. before things start to get cold. Right. That's when it's really, that's when the baiting season kicks up is like May and June, you know, mm-hmm. when they're starting to get out there eating right. a lot more. I think we talked about it in, in the earlier baiting podcast, but they, we talked about how bears need to blow the plug after, right, <laughs> after right. hibernation, you know? So they're eating a lot of the, ro- well, the roots the, and the grasses and the, that walking the dandelion. And it's exactly, that's that walking hibernation phase. Once they've done that, now they're ready to eat lots of food, mm-hmm. start getting back into their normal activity cycles. Storing up some fat stores for next winter. Exactly, what a yeah. Life. And they basically, with all that fur, and the temperature's getting hotter and hotter throughout the summer, they get real stealthy. Yep. And they get real, they, they hide in the, the thicker brush and the shade. They're not as out in the open as they normally mm-hmm. would be um, during the, the earlier and later parts of the year. So if you're trying to plan a specific bear hunt, that's not exactly the best time to go out there. Not to say you'll never run into one, but you'll have to, right. it's, it's more, you're not going to be spotting them from a ways off in open country and planning a stalk. And it's, and it's good to always have that black bear tag on you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because you might, you know, you never know. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're in brushy areas around water. And, and it may just like be that. a pest bear that mm-hmm. keeps getting into stuff and being trash and, you know, you don't want to tag it, but in a lot of areas of the state, we're allowed five black bears. So. Yeah, that's true. Or at least three. And you always have the dreams of shooting three over a bait, but it never happens. Mm-hmm. And if it does, you start to regret it because it's not, not necessarily regret it, but I've heard of guys shooting two, at least two in one night and just saying that was just too, just too much work. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot to haul out. They're 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 not as big up here as they are in some areas of the country, right. but you know they're they're still two still for a bear. Yeah. yeah, still a bear, still a big animal. So it's definitely a lot to haul out. Um, goes into a little bit about how during this stage, bears will, uh, if they have unlimited food source, there was a study done where they'll eat five thousand to six thousand calories per day. That seems like not that much for a bear, but. Um, and they'll just be basically drinking tons of water. Mm-hmm. They're essentially doing like what you said. They're just re- rebuilding right. those fat stores right. and things like that. Now, stage four is what we're talking about. Stage four is, uh, so the scientific name here is, is hyperphagia. And this is the period where they're really getting active. Mm-hmm. The temperatures are starting to drop. They're right. realizing winter's coming back. This is the point in the year when you really want to be out there looking for them. Um, they're going to get a lot more. Uh, I guess you could say careless about being out in the open. They're going to be moving a lot more, right. roaming well, from place to place, looking for food. And the, the sun's not going to be baking them as much. Right. Temperatures are dropping. They're more comfortable moving around. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not super hot. So 
really that phase, I would say, starts in September. You know, when yeah. the temperatures start to get down, that's when the bears Maybe are... not this year, but... <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and again, a lot of these time specifics are subjective it's to the year. I mean, we've had years up here where it snowed several inches in the middle of September. Oh, yeah. You know, and so that'll kickstart things a lot faster. We've also had a years where it's 80 degrees into September. Right, right. Well, that'll push things back a little bit. it snowed at the beginning of September, and then it was 80 degrees again at the end. Like, right, yeah, same year. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and right. so... A lot of that, you know, you when you're going out on one of these hunts, you really want to be keeping an eye on all of that, making sure that you're you're within what that year is doing. Uh-huh. Um, but realistically, your best chance of finding a, uh, a grizz or black bear in the fall is going to be that September through October into early November is pretty late. I wouldn't plan a hunt unless you just have a bunch of free time for early November um, if you're going after grizzlies. Right. But it's a good time to scout around, especially if there's not a lot of snow yet. You can ride into an area. Yeah. Use bears as your excuse. Yeah. Or, or use wolves. That's a good time to go look for wolves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wolves. Um, and, that, and that's another great thing to, you know, basically chase after the ungulate seasons. Right. At the um, same time, as I like to do. I like to go in an area looking for both. Yep. Because the other thing that you'll run into uh, later in the season there is what they call here in the article the fall transition. Um, the fall transition is basically when they're getting ready to go to sleep. They've already built up their fat stores. Mm-hmm. They're going to kind of revert back to that kind of sluggish. They're slowing down their metabolism. They're eating less. They're drinking a lot of water trying to flush mm-hmm. out their their digestive system before they go into the dens. But you know, they're not going to be moving around a lot. So if you wait too late in the year, there might still be bears around, but they're not going to be moving around and as active. The good thing about those times, though, and right before that, there's usually about a you know a week. It can be longer depending on what the temperatures are doing and stuff. But mm-hmm. the right period of time, depending on where you're at in the state, um, towards middle to end of October, mm-hmm. maybe beginning, yep. and, then, and then maybe beginning of November, depending on what the weather's doing, that's when they start to move up higher towards their dens. Right. So they're a lot easier to do a spot and stock. Yeah. Whereas, you know, earlier in the fall, you can, and they'll be out and about, mm-hmm. but they're not going to be as easy to spot necessarily. Yeah. And because they're less active, they're not going to be moving around quite as much. Um, so right. if you do spot one, chances are they're going to be at least in that general vicinity for a while. They get out feeding on those berries and grasses again. Right. Exactly. So um, now the different styles you know, a lot of people will use just a hunt of opportunity. So yeah. while they're out either caribou hunting or moose hunting during, mm-hmm. you know, the, the later parts of August into September, uh-huh. um, you know, bears are very active during that September period. You're going to see a lot of them hanging around those, those herds, whether it's caribou herds or just heavy moose populated areas. Um, a lot of people will, if they are going to try and kill a grizzly bear, they'll try to do it during their moose hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a great strategy and we clearly here support that. Um, we've right. talked about that a lot on the show. Uh, if you see wolves in the area, even, you know, how shooting a wolf during your moose hunt isn't going to scare the moose away. That's not going to flush nope. all the moose out of that valley or out of that, that area that you're in. Uh, if anything, it'll make it better. It, yes. And the same pretty much goes for bears. If you see a bear lurking around that area, you know, that's going to be chasing the moose. It's going to be mm-hmm. trying to get the uh the cows and whatnot while they're in a more vulnerable state uh and it's just going to be if you see a bear while you're while you're moose hunting definitely definitely chase that thing but i would say 
if you're wanting to go on a dedicated bear hunt, mm-hmm. like a, a, a fall bear hunt, whether it's for black bear or grizzlies, um, my recommendation would be to plan that after moose season. Yeah. Uh, so looking at whatever zone you're and unit you're trying to hunt in, the biggest reason for that is simply lack of pressure. You know, if yeah, you're out there looking for bears during moose season, well, everybody else is out there looking for moose. You're going to have a lot more wheelers in the woods. You're going to have a lot more people pushing things, right. you know, pushing animals around and causing, causing some chaos out there, uh, especially in some of the more easy to access areas. Mm-hmm. If you wait till after caribou, moose, and all that is closed, most of those people are going to be back home. Right. And you're going to be out there with a lot less pressure, a lot less noise, and you're going to get to see these bears when they're a lot more uh, carefree. I guess they're, mm-hmm. they're not hearing things all around them. They're not spooked. They're not, you know, on hyper alert. They're, they're trying to fill their bellies before, before winter. Right. And, and that's really, if you're trying to dedicate a time to that, that's what I would say. Yeah. I usually like to go do that. And a lot of times, you know, you moose hunt, right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, moose season in a lot of the state, especially the easy access areas is the 15th is when it ends. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And some of it's the 20th, some of it's the 25th. And some of that you can motorized access. Yeah. Um, and just just a little bit of uh, pre, what's it called? Uh, foreshadowing. A little <laughs> bit of foreshadowing. Next episode, <laughs> we're going to be talking about motorized access and, and them mapping on that stuff. Anyhow, um, it, going, so after that, after the primary moose season, when everybody's out, mm-hmm. right? End of September, beginning of October, that's when I like to go out the first time. Yeah. Because a lot of times... You're going to go out that time and it may be just right, but it may be a little early before they're starting to move up because when they're starting to move up is the ideal time. Exactly. You may see a lot of sign, but have a harder time seeing bears. Yep. And what I found is when I go somewhere moose hunting Mm -hmm. and there's a dozen or two moose camps or wheelers in an area, Mm -hmm. a week later, there's nobody after moose season. (laughs) Right. Except on the weekends, you'll have some joy riders. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but... They're used to that. That happens yeah, all year long. Exactly. Yeah. They don't, it doesn't bother them so much. There's not gunshots going off everywhere. There's not camps and fires mm-hmm. and scent everywhere. It's all had some time to drift away. Yeah. Maybe some rain or some snow to cover it up. Yep. And, and that first snow <laughs> for, for tracking is, is Right. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's one of my favorite times to be out there too. And, and point in case, you know, I was talking earlier in the show about having a, a, a moose hunt planned for this weekend. You yeah. Know, I'm going to be going out for a little while. And, don't get me wrong. I want to be looking for bears. Right. You know, I'm going to be looking for any opportunity I can. Um, but if I come home and I haven't gotten one, I have a, another trip planned, hopefully for the end of this month, gotcha. if it works out specifically for these, nice. for, for grizzlies specifically in a, a particular area where I feel like at least if I go take one out of the equation, it'll help the, uh, the ungulate population in that, mm-hmm. in that area. So, which kind of brings us into the next, the next portion of why you would want to hunt right. interior grizzlies or interior bears in general um for me you know we've talked a lot on the show about predator management um mm-hmm. that is a huge thing for me i kind of have the feeling like if i'm going to be going out there and taking caribou and moose out of the populations i should probably be doing my part to counter you know the other predators in the area mm-hmm. as well um not only to you know, keep my own interest at heart where, you know, I want to keep the moose populations high right. so I can come back next year and feed my family 
with another moose. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just kind of, we, we, you know, with conservation and everything, you want, we, it's really important to keep that balance in play. And there's so many bears in this state. There's so many there's wolves in this state. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're the opposite of everywhere else, basically. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and, and so it just makes sense to me that if I'm going to take, if, I, if I'm going to pursue one, I should just, I should pursue the other. Yeah. Um, but, you know, th- there's the, the reasons outside of that is, you know, the hide is something that's, oh, yeah. that's a really beautiful thing to have. Uh, it's a really great uh, kind of trophy memorabilia, you right. could say. The skull's the same way. Skull's I mean, awesome. yeah. yeah, you know, when, when, you can, when you can go out in the woods and bring, bring something like mm-hmm. that home, that's really, that's really something else. Yeah. Um, that's it. For me, you know, the, the whole idea of making, you know, taking out some other predators mm-hmm. since I'm, I am the apex predator in the, in the wild, right? Right. As long as I, uh, ha- as long as you do your part. <laughs> long, right. As long as I'm smart about it. Um, but you know, there's that. And, and, and I think that is a crucial thing, especially since there's a lot of hunters. Mm-hmm. I'd say the majority of hunters in Alaska hunt two animals, mm-hmm. moose and caribou, and they do it for meat. Mm-hmm. And I don't fault them for that. You know, and you could argue the point. Well, you know, what you're saying, you're taking a grizzly to sh- to save moose, but mm. really, you're saving way more moose than you're killing. But oh you're, yeah, you're also oh by you're far going to save the moose for those other hunters too. You right, know, it's a disproportionate yeah you know thing, and uh, I think it, it it is a big help to do that. More so than that, bears are a lot of fun. Yeah, there's there's a thrill <laughs> from taking a bear mm-hmm. that 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 I don't think you're going to get from any anything else. Granted, if you work really hard for any any game animal. There's going to be, a, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. But, you know, for me, I, I specifically, a fall grizzly, mm-hmm. I really want to eat one. You know, I want to oh, shoot yeah. one and I want to, I want yep. to try it. I've heard they're good. I was, I was talking to some guys I know from Southeast the other day and they were telling me, really? They said, you know, cause I told them that I've heard you can eat them, mm-hmm. especially if they smell good when you're c- cutting them up. Right. And, uh, and they were like, wow, that, that, you know, now they're used to bears that have, three foot tapeworms are pulling out and, you know, <laughs> right. just the, he said they, they you cut the, them apart and it's just nasty. Yeah. You have no desire. Right. Right. He goes, I'll, well, and I've heard that the eating of grizzlies is kind of specific to the interior, right. which is what we're talking about today. Right. Um, because you know, they don't have the salmon streams. They exactly. don't have the, the easy access to that kind of rotting food. They'll every once in a right. while get on like a, a caribou carcass or a moose carcass that's been laying there for a while. They'll, they'll bury it right. and come back. But, you know, they're eating a lot of berries. They're eating a lot of roots, things like that. Um, and I've heard the same thing. The way it was worded to me is you'll know you're going to eat that grizzly the second you walk up to it. Yeah, I, I've heard it. I've heard the same thing. Just mm. just saying when you cut it open, right? Yeah. You know, I know when I'm in the woods and a moose is near, I can smell it. Mm-hmm. Right? That <laughs> smell right there doesn't necessarily want me, make me want to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've personally never tried uh, grizzly meat yet um i would love to and, and i think mm-hmm. if i get one this spring or this <laughs> spring this fall <laughs> uh then i'm I'm definitely gonna try it because and again it depends on how it smells mm-hmm. when i kill it if, I, if i'm if i end up getting one that's on top of a you know three week old moose killer so that's then probably not depending on what it's been eating right. but if, if i'm lucky enough to find one in a berry patch or something like that or or somewhere where i can tell it's been eating you know better foods more mm-hmm. fresh foods and and it smells good i'll try it and, yeah. and we'll do a we'll do a review of it here on the show you Maybe know i'll even bring some home i've and, had uh, i've have had grizzly and i have had brown bear have you okay yeah 
I've had brown bear once and I've had grizzly interior grizzly once. Okay. The brown bear, I have no desire to partake <laughs> again. It really? was um now it was a young one mm-hmm. and it was in the fall. Okay. So you're should be talking about better meat than spring mm-hmm. for brown bear. It was a southeast. It was a it was a small southeast brown bear. I didn't kill it. It was another guy that did it on, mm-hmm. in the hunting crew uh group that we had. And you know, I I wasn't even I, I don't think personally I was going to cut up and cook any of the meat. Mm-hmm. You know, I just heard a lot of stuff about it. Yep. But we decided to anyway. I can't remember what cut we took if we took a piece of backstrap or whatever. But we we cooked up some steak. They're the toughest steaks I think I've ever eaten. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, it wasn't because of how we cooked them. Um, they were just very sinewy, very chewy. Mm, gotcha. Not necessarily nasty, just really hard to eat. Just not the texture you're yeah. used to. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, but it just, it, we didn't have any desire in mm. any more of that bear. But I did have a, some grizzly bear and it was backstrap. Mm. And it was, it was a young grizzly. I don't know how big it was exactly, but I know it was a younger one. This And that was... I was a teenager with my dad and we were hunting with, with a group of guys up north. Okay. And, uh, one of the guys had shot a grizzly before we got up there and he, he brought in and cooked up some of the backstrap, you know, and he, he didn't mm. really have a practice feeding grizzlies, but he thought, Hey, why not? Let's try it. Yeah. And so that was, that was some amazing, amazing meat. Was it really, really, really good. And, you know, and they just, and, and they were kind of wondering like, man, I've had grizzlies that didn't taste good. Mm-hmm. It must just be because it's a young one. Right. Right. And they didn't think anything else of it. And I didn't at the time either. But now that I've heard more mm-hmm. about this, like that was probably a lot more good meat on that bear too. Probably, Which yeah. You're not, most grizzly in most areas, you're not required to harvest the meat. You're not. And, and, and in all fairness, you're not, you're not hunting that animal for the meat either. Right. It, well, not, not for necessarily, its meat. Not necessarily, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, I've heard, there were a lot of reports of that this spring of people, people eating grizzlies that they've mm-hmm. taken off their baits. And I think it's becoming more popular. Yeah. I'm really excited to try it. I think that's going to be great. Um, but kind of along those same lines, the other great thing about killing specifically fall bears, um, and this may be more of a black bear thing. I've never heard of anybody doing this with grizzly, grizzly fat, but rendering the fat down is oh, a yeah. great, great resource. Oh, yeah. um, I don't, again, I don't know if it, grizzly fat would have like any off-putting smells or anything like that or, or be very much different but i would assume if you can eat the meat if it's if it's one mm-hmm. that you're willing to eat then the fat's going to be fine it, in that it, instance it may be just like the meat where it depends on the bear and what he's been eating right exactly and, and you know in that time of year i mean even black bears are that way you know black bears if they've been eating nastier stuff now right. black bears are less likely to be eating the same diet as a grizzly um but you know ultimately speaking they're bears they're they, they do. Eat. They still do. They still are scavengers. Right. They're still scavengers. And if that's what they're able to get to mm-hmm. feed themselves before they go to sleep, then that's what they're going to eat. But one thing about baiting bears in the spring, as much as I love it, is you're getting them right as they're coming out of their their. Yeah, not dens. a lot of fat. Not a lot of fat. Um, you know, the one we pulled uh, just the other year, we were able to, I think I put all the fat just right in my hand. So usually like they have more was, than that. Yeah, it was a very, very lean bear. Um, and a lot of it was just right along its back straps, basically. Mm-hmm. There was a little layer of fat there. And it just, it did not have a lot. And so the benefit of shooting them in the fall time mm-hmm. is they've had all summer to be eating. They've been gaining foraging, up gaining up that fat storage. And you can get a very substantial amount yes. off of a bear in the fall. Um, rendering that down into uh tallow it, it in lard is a great way 
to to further utilize that. You know, I think I talked about it, the process of that with the moose fat. Right. Um, it's the exact same process with bear fat. You know, you just take all the all the meat off of it if you can. Mm-hmm. You maybe uh, cube it up a little bit. The they say the smaller pieces you can get it into, the better because then it melts better. Interesting. You, okay. you can use lower heat. You basically just melt it. You don't cook it. You melt it. Very, right. very low heat. Um, and you just let it cook off all those impurities and all, anything else in there. And what you're left with is just this pure white. I've heard with amazing. Um, bear grease, it, bear, bear, <laughs> so, bear grease or lard in particular is, is actually yellowish. Can be. Or and an actually amber, moose can be too. An amber color. Yeah. yeah. The, the moose tallow I have on my, on my shelf right now is, is more, it's a darker color. It's not a pure white. Um, but, you know, it, there's tons of uses for that. I'm sure we'll be bringing out articles and things like that right. as far as what, what you can use it for. But just around the house for, you know, if it's especially for black bear, you'll look at a lot of old pioneer uh, recipes and things mm-hmm. like that. They'll use it for like making pie crust and stuff like that for cooking. Um, using it in a cast iron skillet to, you know, kind of as your base instead of mm-hmm. using butter or anything like that. Um, people using it for like all kinds of stuff from like leather treatment and, and things like that. It's a great, great thing to, to harvest off these bears. Yeah. So those are all really great reasons to be chasing these things through the woods. Um, let's take a quick break and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about where to find them. All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and actions securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. All right, so we've covered a bit about the times to chase them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what time is the most advantageous to be out there looking for them? We've covered why you'd want to chase them. Yep. But how about where they're going to be during that fall time of year? Um, you know, they're out there looking for food. Yep. They're out there trying to build their fat stores up. Right. They're desperate to get the last bit of nutrients before they go to sleep. Um, what I have found in my experience, and this might vary depending on where you're at in the state or which part of the interior mm-hmm. you're in, I should say. Because um, not all of the interior is mountainous area. A but, lot of it's not. But what I have found is the best place to find them is higher up terrain. Yep. Um, whether that's just generally higher up, like just the entire you know, area is a higher elevation right. or getting up into those mountain ranges and where you have some visibility you have, you know, a lot of more open country. Mm-hmm. Um, in my experience, I've seen a lot more in, in that kind of area during the fall season. Right. Um, I've heard tales of people seeing them in like the still in the low swampy kind of moose country areas during the later part of the year, mm-hmm. but not really in a hunting kind of it, more of a, a passing view kind of situation right. there. And I think a lot more of that has to do with the fact that it's just harder 
to spot and stalk bears when they're in the trees. Mm-hmm. And when they're, it is. Which is what most of the low country is. Yeah. Um, even if they're not big trees. Still right. Thick. Or, or yeah. even a lot of low country, you know, if it's just, you know, goalies and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and some, some low brush, it doesn't take a lot to hide a bear. Exactly. You know, a moose can stand, you can see the moose, but a bear could be standing next to it and you wouldn't see the bear. Right. right. Yeah. Except they're, for the fact that the moose would be running. But, <laughs> until the bear stands up. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Right. Stands up and bites it in the neck. Like in that video. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so getting up in a little bit of elevation is, mm-hmm. is definitely going to be preferable. You know, they they tend to den up higher up anyways. Right. And so the later in the year you get, the the better chance you'll see of them kind of lingering around in those higher areas. Um, and that's where a lot of the food that they're chasing is going to be. Yeah. You know, unless they're just in these flat parts of the interior where there's no real mountainous caribou or anything like that. Um, but speaking of which, one good place to find them is if you know that there's a good density of ungulates in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to be going out to just any old old place, but if you know where, let's say, there's a caribou herd that hangs out or there's a bunch of moose that you've seen, maybe you were in there moose hunting earlier in the year, saw right. a ton of bear sign, um, but didn't see any in the early part of moose season. Um, you go back out there later in the year, and it's, if it's an area that you can see for a ways out, you know, those bears are going to be moving around. They're looking for taking down those, those cows, those calves, mm-hmm. those easy, easier targets. And, uh, they will be a lot easier to spot yeah. uh, later in the year. Um, but anything really, I mean, when you're, when you start pushing up into those, those mountainous regions, um, and, and I'm not talking like sheep country. I mean, they do go up there. Don't get me wrong. They can. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm just talking about like, uh, where you would normally see like caribou hanging out and stuff like that. That's where they're going to be. Um, the other thing about those kinds of open terrains is a lot more berry patches. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, there, there's a lot more of the, the cranberry growth, blueberry growth, things like that that grow in those more open swaths of territory. interesting way I was going to talk about how blueberries in this time of year, but you just, mm-hmm. just kind of ruined that. No, so go for right. it. <laughs> well, I was going to say that this, you know, last few weeks, mm-hmm. a little earlier because uh, depending, you know, blueberries that we like to eat mm-hmm. are usually best picked before freeze. Yes. Right? Yeah. Bears are usually, they're eating them at that point, but they eat a lot of them after they've fallen off the bushes even. Mm-hmm. They just they just suck them down. Right? Oh, dude, it's amazing to watch them do it too. They go along the <laughs> right. ground and just woof them up. Well, what <laughs> I was going to say is my wife's been out picking blueberries mm. and she's not the only one interested in blueberries. Right? Yeah. Like, in fact, while they were out an area near our house looking for, I don't know if they were even picking blueberries. They were just an area they knew where there were some and they were out there walking. Mm-hmm. They found some bear scat. Oh, really? Right? Yeah. Which, is, <laughs> which is fairly normal in a berry patch. Yeah, I'd say, it but, yeah. is. It, it was very near the house, which was. Oh, was it? Okay. Which, and I live a fairly populous area, you mm-hmm. know, I'm up against some wilderness, but no, yep. that was, that was really, I thought it was really cool. And Yeah. Well, they don't live. Far out of town. I mean, you can right. go not very far out and find bears, yeah. you know, and then, and that, that might be one of those areas where, you know, they kind of might stick a little bit to lower lands, uh, it later in the was, year, but, yeah. but it's amazing when you look, uh, at some of the data, like uh, fish and game has on collared bears and stuff like that, like how far they actually will travel and stuff. I will say I've had on two different baits in the spring, mm-hmm. right? Different time of year. But, um, I had two baits that were, as a crow flies, like five miles. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking hills, river, creeks in between. Mm-hmm. Um, not a huge river, but decent sized river. You know, can't get across it with a wheeler most of the year. Yep. Right? Um, high banks, both sides, most of, most of the way. 
Um, and I had a sow and three cubs on one bait, three little cubs, like first year, you know, got the mm-hmm. cute little videos of them standing and playing with each other <laughs> and all that. One of them had a white ring around its neck and like, nice. I don't want that one when it grows up. Right. Um, if it's, if the white ring's still there, right. Grizzly bear sow with three cubs. And I think, I can't remember what the exact amount of time was. I think it was like four hours, mm-hmm. five miles. She had those three cubs at my other bait. No kidding. I believe it was four hours. Now, I don't, I, I might still have all those pictures. I don't know if I have all that data and everything mm-hmm. anymore like I, I did then. But even if it was eight hours. Right. That's, yeah, through, through brushy country, all those brushy, terrain features. hills, yep. swamp, river, like that to, to me, like I feel like I would be pressed to walk mm-hmm. that five miles in that amount of time through that terrain. Yeah. I want to say, I think I could, <laughs> but that, but, but you know, it wouldn't be easy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. And that, that, I just, I was very impressed by that. And, you know, and if, if a sound three with three cubs can do that. Oh, a boy right, could do it. Eat out one of my baits and run to another one. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and in the same, same idea, there's a um, area that I've bear baited and then I'll go back and moose hunt the same area. And what's really interesting is in, in the spring, it's full, full of bears. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of moose in there in the spring, but it's full of bears. I mean, I'll have 10 bears on a bait. Yeah. Easy. And 10 different bears. 10 different grizzly yeah. bears. Yeah. 10 different adult bears. Yeah. Right. And then come moose season in the fall, there might be one that you see really? maybe there's hardly any sign. There's not tracks everywhere. Like mm-hmm. in the springtime, you can run down one of the trails in the area and you're f- going to find bear tracks. You're going to find right. bear scat. If you look a little bit, it's there. And there's, you know, usually multiple bear baits in that area. And they're just, they're just there. They're thick. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't find them in the, in the fall. And I believe that is because they moved to the high country, which isn't too far away in there. It doesn't right. take them very long to get up there. And I think there's probably a lot more there. Maybe there's some caribou. But obviously, you know, blueberries and stuff like that. And yep. they're moving towards their dens. Yep, exactly. Yeah, they're just, they're chasing the food. Right. You know, wherever the, the highest density of food is, that's where they're going to be. And typically speaking, for that time of year of ease of access, right. you know, it doesn't get much easier than berries. Um, and, and, you know, kind of as we said in the beginning of the show, they're going to be a lot less cautious about staying in the, in the brush, in the shade. It's right. cooler outside. They're not getting beaten down by the sun. Um, they're not, they're, they're more worried about getting the food than they are about staying hidden. You know, um, bears can be very secluded animals. They can try to, you know, be very sneaky in the way that they move and, and try to stay out of sight and just be, be very, um, you could almost say non-confrontational. They just, they, they just want to kind of go along their way in the springtime. That all kind of goes out the window. They're just looking for food. Um, another one specifically for grizzlies though is, uh, Ground squirrel burrows. So if you're in an area where you're noticing a bunch of ground squirrels, mm-hmm. typically speaking, you'll notice a lot of holes dug in the ground too. Um, yeah. and, and they'll go through there and those, those long white claws, you know, they're just, they're, they're perfect shovels. And, yeah. yeah. They're flipping rocks and they're, they're digging through those burrows and they're trying to see what they can get. Um, if, if that's the only thing they have available to them, uh, they'll be, you know, digging for all kinds of, other uh, low vegetation and stuff like that, marmots and other stuff. Um, So if you find an area like that, you know, it's a good spot to to keep an eye on, Mm -hmm. keep a look. But, you know, realistically, 
it's going to be a game of patience mm-hmm. and a little bit of luck and a little bit more patience. <laughs> I think patience and then, is a really big one. Yeah, because what you want to do is you don't want to be running around being that noise and that pressure we talked about earlier. Um, but because they're so active during that time of year, if you're positioning yourself in an advantageous spot to mm-hmm. be able to see a large swath of territory, right. a large area, and you know, there's a high probability something's going to walk through there. Yeah. Now, is it going to be a boar? Is it going to be a south with cubs? Who knows? You know, that's just playing the game. But um, bring, you know, plan on glassing a lot yeah. if you're looking for, for fall bears of any kind, right. whether that's black or grizzlies. Well, and with bears, it's, it's patience to a point <clears throat> also because where with, with moose, you know there's a lot of moose in an area. Mm-hmm. It's usually best to hunt that spot and keep hunting that spot until it happens. Mm. Bears is a little different. If you don't see bears and you don't see a bear sign, mm-hmm. guess what that means? Yep. It's not bears. Yep. So you move to the next valley, you move to the next hillside, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you might spend a day, maybe two, depending on how much time you have. If you only have a weekend, well, then you, that's where you're probably spending your weekend. Right. But you get up to a high location or wherever you need to glass, I think there's most likely to be bears. Mm-hmm. And you glass all day long. Mm-hmm. And if you don't see anything... One day may not be enough. Two days, you don't see anything, I would move on. Right, yeah. And, and a lot of guys will go in and hunt one spot mm. for a week. Yeah. And just be like, man, there's no bears in here. Mm. But there's another guy over the hill hunting that spot, and guess what? Yeah. He's looking at multiple bears, because for whatever reason, the bears like that valley better. Yeah. Better food or better denning territory or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but, you know, there's a lot of patience, but to a point, and then you move on. You don't want, yeah, and, and that's a very good point. You don't want to be patient to a fault. Right. Yeah, you, you don't want to <laughs> wait yourself out of a hunt. <laughs> right. Um, which, I mean, and, and kind of like you said with moose, I mean, I would equate that for moose as well. I mean, we talked about, you know, not being, not jumping around too much, but kind of the same thing. I mean, if you've hunted an area for, you know, several, several days on end, um, and just not seen anything realistic to shoot, you know, whether mm-hmm. you're in a spike fork 50 area and there just doesn't seem to be a big boy around, or you just haven't seen any bulls at all. Um, it's not a bad idea to at least check out the neighboring Valley yeah, and, and can, see if that's where be. they're, where they're, where they're hanging out, but especially with bears. Yeah. Because it is kind of weird how they'll, and, and this is part of going into the science of it all, understanding the food that they're, that they're after during that time of year and understanding the kind of, uh, area they want to den in and understanding the elevations they're going to be at. Um, it can be absolutely a difference of just, you're on the wrong side of the valley. Right. You know, you just need to go one ridge over or something like that. There's just more of, you know, whatever the food and the the nutrients they're looking for that time right. of year. Right. No, I, um, one year going out in an area that also that I moose hunting was looking for bears because I've seen bear sign in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went in there twice into September, beginning of October, like I've talked about doing. Maybe more towards the middle, end of October too. I don't remember exactly everything we did that year. I, I busted a tie rod on my wheeler, and on the last <laughs> trip we did, it was a long. That was a long trip. That one, but um, I, think, I think you told that story. I, I did tell that yeah. story. So I'm not going into it now. But before that, um, we'd gone in, and I believe it was the end of September, and we get in there, and, and we camped for the night, mm-hmm. and then we got up in the morning, and there was snow on the ground. I don't think there was when we went in, but there was there was the next day. Okay. 
And it was an interesting thing because another thing to think about with a lot of these mountainous areas is the weather in the fall just changes, can change in, in a matter of seconds, in a matter of minutes. And, you know, you can go from being socked in to sunny or from being sunny to socked in, which can really be dangerous when mm-hmm. you get up in a mountain, especially if you're riding on a wheeler and you don't have a trail and you just find your way up, finding right. your way down when it's socked in. <laughs> right. I, I've almost died doing that. All right. No problem. Um, I don't doubt it. But another, that, you know, that's another topic for another time. But that it, it snowed that morning. We get out. We're, we're riding some flats, some gravel areas, and uh, we get over to to the trail. Mm. And we just set it bear tracks right down the trail. I mean, we're just starting hunting. It mm-hmm. feels awesome. Like boom, bear tracks, fresh bear tracks. Right? Snowed yeah. last night. Uh, we were excited. So we, you know, we kind of just we're, we're looking to get up higher to look, and, mm-hmm. and we get up higher, and we do see one bear. Um, but we saw him briefly as he was running over a ridge. Um, we saw a wolf or two. We saw a ton of caribou. We saw a ton of moose. It was amazing. Like you said about hunting pressure. You're right. Yeah. Like, I, I just want to, uh, invite you guys go into an area that you hunt where you see decent amount of game that mm-hmm. you feel like go in there a week or two after when there's nobody else in there. Right. Just spend a few days, uh-huh. get up in the high country and glass and you'll be, you'll be blown away by the amount of game mm. that you'll see, the number of species and the amount of them that you're going to see, especially if you look in, the, right. in glass, right? You know, we saw tons of caribou, tons of moose, uh, wolves, bear, mm-hmm. which is pretty much everything for that area. Yeah. I don't know if we saw any sheep that trip. There, were, there are sheep in there too. But um, anyhow, it, it was just in, incredible to see that much game. Uh, but, but the point about it all, all that was this, it was a little early mm-hmm. and the bears were still low. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, what's a really perfect time is when there's snow, but they're up high. So they stand out against the snow. Right. Mm-hmm. And actually later that day, the snow burned off by the time we even saw that bear. Um, but th- that's just something to th- really, really think about. And something also where going in the same place, if there's bears in there oh, yeah. year after year learning it. Dalton talked about taking multiple trips just to figure out an area before you're ready mm-hmm. to hunt it. And he talked about that, I think around this time, maybe last year. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a big thing. It is. Yeah. Well, and, and just to the, that point with the activity levels and the weather and everything like right. that, um, I've had it to where, you know, with caribou hunting, you know, when the caribou hunts go in the last several years, mm-hmm. uh, with the 40 mile herd and other herds hunting has gone for caribou into the last parts of September mm-hmm. before they, they ever close it down. Um, often just hitting the end of the season rather than hitting the quotas. Right. And you see a lot more posts. You see a lot more stories about people taking grizzly bears during that later part of September, mm-hmm. um, towards the end of that caribou hunt. Um, and you go into those exact same areas. I've done this where, in late August, say, you go in there, the caribou might be there, you're hunting the same area, you might be seeing some sign, but there's just not the density that there is before. So understanding the weather of where you're going to go and the, the, all of the different features, there's so much science that goes mm-hmm. into it. That's one thing that I love about hunting in general is you can wing it. And you can just go out in the woods and, and kind of run with the, well, I'm, I'm where the animals live, so right. maybe I'll see one. Or you can really dive in and figure out exactly what they're looking for, exactly where they're going to be, right. and, and really up your chances of but, success. But even then, 
to a certain sense. What's great about hunting is you're still winging it. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you got to rely you never, on your tie rods. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, and you never learn everything. Right. You know, the, the important thing, the mentality I try to keep is every hunt is a lesson. That in, includes successful hunts. Right. Even if I go out and I, I have a, a target in mind and I, I, let's say I'm chasing moose, I go out there and I get a moose and I drag it home. Um, I still figured out something maybe I'd want to do different next time or, mm-hmm. or something. Okay. I tried this this time and it worked. And, you know, I, I got a moose in a, a position that I, I hadn't been able to before mm-hmm. or a bear or something like right. that. Um, it's always a learning process and that's part of what makes it so fun. Um, one thing we'll touch on real quick before wrapping up um, is just the uh, appropriate firearm selection for for bear specifically in in the spring well, or maybe, in the in the fall. And maybe since it's you and me, we mm-hmm. can keep this discussion short. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a, a a comment that's that's seen pretty often uh, around the the comment sections on social media and whatnot but a lot of it has to do with the gun you're most comfortable shooting you're right um in, in a hunting situation if you're in the position to take a controlled shot in an area where you know your ranges and everything mm-hmm. like that i mean y- you'll hear mixed stories about performance on bears and that's just bear hunting right right bears are individuals each one some will go down immediately Others will go down very slowly. Um, right. You know, I, I've heard everything from uh, guys going out with a 280 Ackley and dropping a bear lights out one shot, completely just just falling on its mm-hmm. legs. Um, I've also heard of people taking a 300 Win Mag out there and blowing through both shoulders of a bear and it's still running 100 yards, you know, and, right. and, and acting almost like it didn't even get hit. Well, it's... Um, no. One of the reasons you shouldn't shoot it in the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, you know, and so really it's about what you're comfortable with. But if, if I'm chasing bears, for me personally, yeah. I'm bringing my 338. Um, and that's just kind of my, my, my well, deal. kind of your I, ideal rifle for that kind of hunt right now, isn't it? It is. And, and I'm kind of a medium bore guy. I, li- I like to stay in that range yeah. of, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm hunting big animals in Alaska. That's just what I'm comfortable right. with. Um, and I can handle it. You know, the recoil doesn't bother me. I like the range I have. I like the performance I have. I like the, uh, the, the displacement that those bullets offer in, in that caliber. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, they are a tough animal, but they're just an animal. Now, you want to make sure you have enough gun to protect yourself if you end up in an encounter. Right. And that is a very real thing that can happen, especially... Um, if you end up getting real close, I mean, yeah, you can see one from a thousand yards or a mile mm-hmm. away and make a stalk on it and be in a very controlled situation there. But you also can be in a situation where you're 40 yards away from it, even right. in wide open country, right. you know? Um, and so you want to make sure that in the event that something happens, you've got enough gun to take care of the situation. Right. So. Yeah. I'll say for the most part, if I'm in that kind of a hunt, unless I'm trying to challenge myself mm-hmm. to a shorter range, then I'm probably going to have my, my 300 short mag. Right. Um, I don't have anything bigger bore than that, than the 4570 right now. And the 4570 mm-hmm. is not a longer range rifle. Right. Um, you know, if I wanted to do, I, you know, I've seen some guys buying like the 250 hammers mm-hmm. and drilling them out and getting them down to like 200 grains. Really? And, you know, trying to push 
super hot loads, <laughs> fast <laughs> loads out of that short barrel. Mm-hmm. And and I think they're doing it and you know, and that might work great, good for them, but I've got a 300 short mag with 160 grain HHTs mm-hmm. that fly phenomenal. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm well over 3000 feet per second yep. with 168 grain bullet and any, anything under 400 yards, it's going to put a smack. Oh a yeah. Really good smack. You know, mm-hmm. at, I get minimum expansion at 800. Hopefully I never have to make that shot, but you know, for, for what it is and for what I'm going to be doing with it. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't have any problem at all with that. Yeah. You know, and if there's two of us on the hunt and somebody else doesn't have their own rifle necessarily, and maybe I have somebody coming along with me, um, or maybe it, or maybe it would be you and me, right? You carry your, you yep. carry your 338 and maybe I'll carry my 4570. Yeah. Right. Or maybe I'm carrying my 300 short mag and you're carrying your 4570 maybe, but. Right. Yeah. You know, depending on that kind of situation, having that primary and backup. That is, right? yeah. And then if you do end up 100 yards or 40 yards from a bear, you can be like, oh, well, hand me the 4570, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Let's, let's take this thing out at close range. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's that's huge. You know, when, you, when you're partner hunting like that, you, you have a lot more possibilities yeah. there. Um, and I'll just fall back to the, the same thing I've, I've said several times on the show, which is just shoot the biggest thing you're comfortable shooting. Yeah. Um, for me, you know, I, I like, my 375. I have a 375 Ruger that I, I really enjoy shooting. Um, it's very accurate and it's got a lot of power, mm-hmm. a lot of knockdown power, but it doesn't give me the ranges that I would like. And, and that's kind of where I landed on the 338. Right. Um, and for you, you know, your 300 short mag, that'll work phenomenally. You know, yeah. you, you might, the, when you're going smaller and smaller, you know, if somebody's going into the seven mil range yeah. or, you know, you do have to be more selective on your shot. Um, you know, you want to really make sure you're getting a good, Mm -hmm. good placement on that. Um, but don't feel like if all you have is a 300 wind mag or Mm -hmm. all you have is a seven mil rem mag or all you have is a 30 out six. Realistically, I mean, really don't, don't feel like you can't go on a hunt for a grizzly just because you don't have like a super high caliber you know a, a big bore or, or a magnum or anything like that i mean we talked frank glasser on the show a bunch of times the alaska wolf man uh-huh. you know i mean i think he killed a dozen of them in a week with a 30 out six you know <laughs> 30 out six is kind of like the old all alaskan it really is yeah yeah and, yeah. and a lot of guys still uh, you know for most guys who who aren't um, like who are the moose or caribou hunters we talked about earlier? Mm-hmm. They're either carrying a thirty out six or three hundred wind mag. It, that's pretty standard. Yeah, there's sure everybody's got something else, but for the most part, yeah, that's the majority of the guns up here. I would say three hundred wind mag is probably taking the cake as the Alaskan favorite round. Maybe right now, now, maybe yeah, now these days in in modern times. But especially a lot of older guys are going to run the thirty out six. Oh, right? yeah. that's what I carried, and I've killed caribou. Yeah, killed quite a few caribou with that. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I, I know people that have hunted grizzlies with two seventies, and there's nothing wrong with with the thirty out six, mm-hmm. right? Thirty, right. honestly, out to what at least two hundred yards on a gri- grizzly bear, thirty out six would be gr- awesome all day long. Absolutely, you know, and and you might want to be a little more selective with your bullet type. You know, yeah, maybe shooting yeah. a heavier bullet out of it and rezeroing for that heavier bullet, um, or you know, just making sure you've got something that's very solid um, and is going to penetrate properly. Mm-hmm. Is going to get through, you know, that bear the way you want it to. Right. But, uh, yeah, I'm curious if this was a different direction than people thought it would go, but really, oh. <laughs> but really, I mean, there's, there's, there's no, 
limiting factor as long as you're not shooting you know something super small that you wouldn't want to shoot even a caribou with i wouldn't want to go smaller than than a 270 in diameter yeah personally if if you ask me my personal low i would say like a seven mil i was thinking the same thing yeah i know it can be done with a 270 but just my personal comfort level i think a 270 would be okay yes especially for interior grizzly Mm -hmm. you know we're not talking we are not recommending (laughs) that for uh coastal brown bears right right yeah i'm sure there's guys that do it there's guys that do it with a 308 Mm -hmm. um which is a bigger bullet but it's a lot slower Right. right um you know and honestly a 308 while it's slow, if you keep yourself within your limiting ranges, up, up, you know, I heard a story the other day, a guy was charged by a brown bear while, or I mean, it was a grizzly while moose hunting. Mm-hmm. Interior. Yeah. And yeah. I believe he had his, uh, 44 mag. Okay. And he, I mean, he pulled it out and put two, three shots in the bear and killed it. And mm-hmm. 308 was on his back. That's what he was moose hunting with was a 308. So he then got the 308 off. Because the 308 was still better than the 44 mag. Right, yeah. Right. Um, and, and he had killed the bear and made some great shots on it with the 44 mag. Um, and he was able to t- claim it because it was the right mm-hmm. season and everything. It worked out good. He didn't have nice. the DLP. Yeah. Um, but anyhow. Yeah. Well, and that is the last thing I, I think we should cover is understanding if you're non-res, you do have to be guided. Yes. For even interior grizzlies. That's not just a coastal thing. Right. Um, that's any grizzly or brown bear in the state. Now, black bear, you can chase. Yeah. All, you know, you can come up here and chase black bear all you want. Everything we've talked about today covers grizzly and black bear. Yeah. It, honestly, in, in black bear, I'd, go, I'd be willing to go down to that 6.5. Um, yeah, you you got a little bit more leniency with little, black bears. Right. They're a yeah. little bit softer target, mostly because their response isn't going to necessarily be what the grizzly bears is. Right, and they're a little smaller. They're a little overall. smaller. Yeah. yeah, they're they're, you know, they're they're a little bit more. Uh, they're not as. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say they're not dangerous, but uh, compared to a grizzly bear, right? You know, I mean, you right. really want to make sure you you put that thing down. You know, and that's that's where the proper shot placement, the right bullet choice. Mm-hmm making sure you're comfortable with your rifle and your range, keeping within your, your ethical ranges, all of that is so super important. Right. So, but all right, guys, well, we're going to wrap this one up for, uh, for Monday and we'll be back Thursday. Mo talked about, we're going to bring you guys an episode. Uh, I think we're going to talk about some mapping, yeah. some trail riding, all that good stuff. So keep an ear out for that. Um, make sure if you have any questions about what we talked about today, give us a, a shout at our social medias. If you search at the Northern Hunter on either Facebook or Instagram, you'll get us there. Uh, we go to the website we've got a nice contact us button there and uh, if you like what we're doing and you'd like to support us the easiest way is obviously to subscribe to the show share it with your friends give us a rating that really helps us reach more people um, and grow but uh, we also have a nice shop page with some Mm -hmm. merch um, hats hoodies and t-shirts now more designs always coming and uh, the partners page if you shop from any of our partners that helps them out a lot and that really helps us out too hopefully you guys are uh having a good moose season get out there and get after some bears and uh until tuesday or thursday get out there get after it good luck we'll see you there
All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and actions securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to stealthyhunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA.